wrap up our series, we've been talking about honor. And I can't recap all the weeks, but I like to do a little bit of review. We have people that you know, aren't here every week, and so I like to give an idea of where we're at, what we're talking about. And um, so we've been talking about honor for the last few weeks. I was talking with Pastor Earl, it was before our one-year anniversary service. It was back in September, I believe. And he made this statement. He said that uh, God spoke to him and said, the church that honors me is the one that's going to reap the harvest. Uh, and we know that there's a harvest to be reaped. Jesus even said himself that the harvest is great. The laborers is the issue. The laborers are few. Uh, the harvest is plentiful. There's plenty out there to go grab, but we're not able to go get it because we don't have laborers to go out and grab them. The laborers are few. So um, we've been discussing this topic of honor, and we've been discussing what it means to honor. Remember, we said that honor, uh, you can replace the word honor with the word value. Because when you honor something, that means you value it or you place value. If you honor your marriage, then you place value on your spouse. If you honor your vehicle, that means you place value on your vehicle. If you, if you honor your job, that means you value having the job and value what it's doing for you and what you're doing for it and so on. If you honor your church and you place value on church and being here and, uh, and attending and, and, and hearing what the Word of God has to say. So there's an honor issue uh, that we have to take care of, and that simply means that we value something. And we started out with Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, um, and we'll look at it again here today, but Jesus was telling a parable, and he said, this is what the kingdom of God looks like. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who finds a treasure hidden in a field. And when he finds out that there's this treasure in the field, he goes and he sells all that he has, so he can buy the treasure? No, so he can buy the field. And when we ask these questions, because this is what honor is all about, uh, you know, how many of you, if someone said, okay, if you want that treasure, you have to buy the whole field, how many of you would do that? Or if you saw the treasure in the field, how many of you would proactively say, you know what, I want the treasure so bad, I'll buy the whole thing? Most of us just want the treasure. And so we said that when you honor someone or you honor something, you buy the field. Every single person on the face of the planet has a treasure, has a gift, has an ability, has something God ordained inside of you, whether you realize what it is or not. Whether you know what your gift is, what your calling is, what that treasure is inside of you, whether you realize it or not, you have a treasure. But we all have a field. And so we said that honor means that you are not just going after the treasure, but you're also desiring the field. Uh, the greatest example that I could give was with a husband and a wife relationship and a marriage relationship. Because, you know, when you're dating and you first meet someone, you see their treasure. You see how beautiful they are, or how awesome they are to talk to, how smart they are, whatever, uh, you, know, uh, you know, you see their treasure. But when you get married, see, you didn't just get the treasure. And you can't just go after treasure and say, well, I just, I just want your treasure, but I don't want anything else you have to offer. There's a field there, and there's maybe disagreements, and maybe there's times 
you know, um, uh, 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 of arguing or things that take place or, you know, waking up in the morning and they don't look like they did the night before and, and, and now we're getting older and things are shifting out of places and moving around and, uh, you know, there's lines starting to show up where there weren't lines before. Come on, there's a field. And you didn't just get the treasure and say, I don't want anything to do with the field. You got the whole package, okay? And so when you honor someone, you're not just pulling on what they have. See, nobody in here likes it when someone just comes to you when they need something. As parents, we don't like that from our children. Oh, we only talk to me when you need a little cash or you need this, you need that. No, you want established relationships. You want to know there's interaction there because true honor isn't just saying, I want what you have for me. True honor is, I want you and I want everything that you have to offer me. And so we've been taking a look at this honor thing. Last week was a great message and you need to, uh, if you haven't heard it, you need to go back and and hear it because we talked about when you value something, then something else steps in called the attention factor. And when you value something, you give it attention. See, you show that you value your spouse because you give them attention. You show that you value your vehicle because you're always giving it attention, making sure it's clean, making sure it looks nice, smells nice, that people aren't spilling stuff in it, uh, that you know, you're changing the oil, keeping up maintenance, changing the tires. You're taking care of it because you value it, and so you give it your attention. We honor God by giving him attention. He says, attend to my sayings. Attend your ear. Uh, he says, pay attention. Over in Proverbs chapter 4, pay attention to my word. Pay attention. Why? Because if you honor me, then you'll value what I'm saying, and you will value what, uh, you, you'll, you'll value what I'm saying, which in turn shows your value for me. That's why they call it pay attention. There's a price paid. See, some of us may, have, may, or, may, or, may or may not have paid attention in school. And so it shows how much we value this particular class or this particular thing. I know uh, growing up, I was just talking, talking with Chuck this morning about baseball, and for me growing up, baseball took precedent. And I had to be told to go to my room, turn the, turn the Ranger game off or turn this or turn that off and go and do my homework or make sure my homework's done first before I go and do this, because I knew what I valued more. I knew I valued, uh, you know, watching the baseball game more than I did biology homework or doing algebra. And there were times that it showed, because I'd get to class the next day and maybe didn't have everything completed, but I could tell them everything that happened in the game last night because I attended my ear somewhere else. I put my eyes on something else. So we talked about the attention factor. Tonight I want to wrap up And the title of my message today is called The Treasure and the Field. That's where we started in Matthew chapter 13. But I really want to break down why it's so important, why this honor thing is so important. I really want to break that down. I really want to to show because right now we're at a point. Remember, we said that we don't determine if someone is honorable before we give them honor. We don't determine that. Because there's times where we are called 
to give honor to maybe even those who are dishonorable. And so we need to learn that if we're going to draw on someone's gift, that we have to receive everything that they are, everything that they have. Here's the thing. Everybody wants to receive something from God. And if I asked in here who honors God, who values God, our hands would go up. I'm sure of that. I don't think anybody admittedly would be sitting here today and say, no, you know, I don't really value God and who he is, and I don't really honor him. And remember, we said that honor gives, sets up an expectation. See, when you honor someone, then you expect something in return. Honor always, that's why we said we, we preached the first message before Pastor Earl Marcy came. Because we said that if you're going to receive what Pastor Earl and Marcy are bringing, then you have to honor the gift that's coming. And by honoring the gift, you have to honor the person. Now, for most of you, that wasn't too hard. Some of you don't, maybe don't know them real well or just getting to know them. Others, you know them, and they've been outstanding people and are, are, great, are a great couple. But you're able to draw on their gift because you honored the man. But here's the thing. We all want to receive something from God. And we all have an honor towards God, so that therefore sets up an expectation. But here's what I want to show you today. I want to start in Genesis chapter 1. Genesis chapter 1. Um, if you have the uh, Uversion app, if you have an iPhone or, you know, really any kind of phone that you're able to get that app, you can follow along, um, you know, any device that gives you that. I want to make this disclaimer. Um, I, this, this is necessary for me to say. In this day and age and in this culture, it's not, uh, I mean, I'm, I'm up here with an iPad. And in fact, I have all my verses in here, so I really never have to go to this too much. But I keep it here because I want to, I don't want to devalue the word of God. And I just want to make a disclaimer that nothing will ever replace this. Okay? And I know, you know, it, a lot of us, um, and in fact, I do a daily Bible reading plan, and I read it on this because I like to read a different version every year, and I've got multiple versions in this thing, more than I have Bibles. So I can read out of the Amplified one year and the Message the next year and the NASB the next year. That's just what I like to do. But nothing ever replaces this. And, and, I, and so I just want to make a disclaimer that although you know we have these devices and they're great um, I especially love it because when I'm preaching, if you're able to pull that device out, you can follow right along with everything that we're saying. You can follow right along with the notes that I'm given, the verses that I have. If I go to a different version, it's right there for you, and it's great. But I don't ever want it to replace a love for the Word of God, okay? And I just want to make that disclaimer. But we're going to go to Genesis chapter 1, Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, and it says, Then God said, Let us make man... In our image, according to our likeness, let them have dominion. Let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the birds of the air, over the cattle, over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creeps on the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them, and God said to them, Be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and subdue it. Have dominion over the fish of the sea, birds of the air, over, living, over every living thing that moves on the earth. So what I want to show you is that God, when he created the earth, one of the first things he did after creating everything was put man in charge of the earth. 
And we've seen this before, that God put man in charge, and he did this. This is what he did when he said, let them have dominion. He excluded himself from ever doing anything in the earth without using you and I. When he wanted to part the Red Sea, he used, he used Moses. When he wanted to bring down the walls of Jericho, he used uh, Joshua and the Israelites. When he, uh, when, when he wanted to kill a Goliath, uh, a giant named Goliath that was talking against God's people, he used David. When he wanted to save mankind from their sins, he had to send himself in the flesh in Jesus. Jesus had to go to the cross and die. God is not doing anything in the earth apart from you and I. God is not doing anything, not moving anything without you and I. So here's the problem. If we want to receive from God, and we all want to receive something from God, and if we honor God, then we have to honor his method. We have to honor how he gets things done in the earth. Well, we just saw here in Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, that he is using you and I to do what? To bring and accomplish his will into the earth. That's why Jesus, when he prayed in Matthew chapter 6, in verse 9, he told his disciples, pray this way, Heavenly Father, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So what God is wanting to get done in the earth, he's not doing outside of you and I. He's not doing it without using mankind. Remember, we just got done talking about prayer, and we said, uh, you know, we made the statement, unless we pray, God is unable to do anything in the earth. He needs us. He needs us to be in right standing with him to perform his will. So if we're wanting to receive from God, Let's just say finances. Say you, you, you have a, a need financially. Lord, you know I have this need. You know that I need to get this done. Somehow, some way, he's going to enact his will in the earth, but it's going to be through somebody else. Anybody here in this room ever had a need met financially by another individual? A few of us. Okay, Julie Grace has. That's awesome. I'm sure you do all the time. <laughs> This afternoon, she'll have her needs met by an individual. Hey, and God says that we are to be like children to enter the kingdom of God. See, Julie Grace, tonight, she's not going to go to her mommy and daddy and say, do we have enough money for food tonight? No. Her question's going to be, what's to eat? That's called childlike faith. That's the... That's the child knowing the source that's giving her life. And there's no doubt in her mind that they'll be able to provide. That's just what's to eat. When do we eat? Mommy, is it time? Right? She's not getting up tomorrow. Do we have enough gas to get to school tomorrow, Mommy? But yeah, that's what, that's what we do. We're, we're, we're too grown up for that stuff, right? So God, when he's accomplishing his will in the earth, is using other individuals but here's the problem and here's where a lot of people miss out and we mean well but this is where we miss out we're believing god for something but the only connection we have is us 
and God. But there's a middleman. There's someone in there, in between, and it's another individual. What causes us to miss out? What causes us to miss out on God providing for us? It's this issue of honor. It's this issue of honor. Because here's the thing. If I dishonor you, and you're the one carrying my supply from heaven, then I dishonor God. And we've missed this fact because we've dishonored people in our lives. Maybe we knew it, maybe we didn't know it. But they were the ones carrying the answer to our problem. And then we go back home to our prayer closets and say, Lord, you know I have this need, what's going on? And he's saying, I sent it to you in the form of your husband. I sent it to you in the form of your employer. I sent it to you in the form of that guy in the store, but you just wanted to get in first and you just wanted to be first in line. I was trying to meet your needs, but you dishonored me by dishonoring the individual that I sent to you. Because if you remember back in Genesis chapter 1 verse 26, I declared that I am accomplishing my will in the earth through mankind. I mean, he couldn't even save mankind without sending himself in the flesh. Now, there are people that will dishonor the man he sent. And they did when he was on, this, on the face of this planet. And guess what? When it gets to the end, they're not going to be able to say, but Lord... You didn't provide salvation for me. But Lord, you didn't, God, you, you didn't give me a way out of hell. And he's going to say, yeah, I did. I sent somebody to you to save you, to redeem you, and you dishonored him and you rejected him and you refused him because the Bible says that no one's going to be without excuse. No one's going to be able to say, well, I didn't know or I didn't really know what that was all about or I want another chance. We're not going to have that opportunity because everyone's going to have the opportunity to hear the name of Jesus. Everybody's going to have the opportunity to believe in what he did on the cross and receive salvation for themselves. But see, we expect God to rain down money from the clouds and we expect God to just supernaturally fix our cars when he's sending someone to you to help you take care of that. I can tell uh, many times, numerous times, where individuals, most of the time that God is bringing something to my supply, I know who took care of it in the earth. Then there's times that I don't know who, but there was a who. There was a somebody on the other end. Because go over to Matthew chapter 13, verse 44. We must understand that God established the authority of the earth was mankind. And mankind is how he's getting things done. So if you're expecting a miracle, if you're wanting to receive from God, and you can't just say, well, God, I honor you, there's got to be an honor this way. And in Matthew chapter 13, verse 44, he said, again, the kingdom of heaven is like Treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and hid. And for joy over it, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. So you are the field. And there's a treasure inside of you. There's a treasure inside of other individuals. But we don't receive the treasure unless we buy the whole field. 
See, there's no on and off switch. There's no on and off switch for honor. You can't dishonor someone until you need something from them and then all of a sudden honor them. But, you know, that's what we do as a culture and as a society is we, we want to raise people up just so we can tear them right back down. You know, I know individuals that had struggled financially, but they disrespected people that had money. Well, look at all that money. They just, you know, they're just talking about their money all the time. They're just excited about all, you know, and you are disrespecting the person. You're disrespecting all the hard work they put into getting the money. You, you're disrespecting everything they go through and, the, and what the, the job that they're taking on to be able to live that way. And then when you need finances, see, here's what happens is when you honor something, you draw them to you. But when you dishonor something or someone, you push them away from you. And now all of a sudden, we need finances, we need, we need money, but there's been a level of dishonor there, and so we're not able to receive that gift. There's no on and off switch. We try to turn it on and turn it off, and you know we decide when we want to honor the president and when we don't want to honor the president. We decide when we want to honor our employer and when we don't. We honor them every other Friday, but the rest of the days, it's, I can't believe they do this. I can't believe they work me like this. They don't pay me enough, but hey, on Friday, it's, hey, how are you doing? I know you got something for me, and so we just want what they have. This may be hap- This may have happened to you, or someone, they only honor you at this certain time, or, uh, you know, and, and they dishonor you the rest of the time. You don't want to do anything for somebody like that. Nobody wants to do anything. You don't, what kind of friend are you if you only call me up when you need some help? But those other times I say, hey, let's go get lunch. Hey, let's hang out. Oh, well, you didn't need something from me at that time. Well, that's dishonor. That's disrespect. And so we have to confront this issue of honor. And I'll tell you right now in our nation, uh, you know, honor is almost a f- uh, foregone thing. I mean, you can turn on the TV late at night with all those little jokesters on TV, and they'll have 50 million jokes about the president. It doesn't matter who they are or what they've done. I mean, you, you see it right now. The TV shows that show you what homes look like. Give me a break. The teenagers are the smart ones in the house. They tell everybody what to do. My wife and I just got uh, just started watching one of my favorite shows that I grew up watching, The Cosby Show. That is what needs to be on TV right now. I mean, he could just get the look, and Theo is, okay, all right. I mean, last night, man, we, we saw one. It was really funny. Where the, uh, the oldest daughter was wanting to go and buy a car. Just got her driver's license. And so she's got $1,600 in her savings account. And she's looking at her parents saying, that's my money. That's my money. I saved that up. So I'm going to go out. I found a car I want. And she's telling her parents. And they, the, you know, I uh, can't remember their names on the, uh, Cliff. Cliff and his wife, you know, they look at each other and they go, you want to go first? <laughs> Who's going to take this one? And the wife, she says, I got this. And she says, all right, this is what you think, you know, because she said, she made a statement, she said, this is America, America's free, are we still in America? 
She ended up telling her, fine, you can take your $1,600 and go discover America. Those are the kind of responses we need. Not today, man. I mean, I, I haven't seen a lot of the shows recently, but I know how bad it was getting. I know how bad, where there was no household structure. It was just all about me thinking the best of you is letting you do whatever you want. I'll let you find out what drugs are like all by yourself. I'll let you find out what it's like getting pregnant before you're 16, what that's all about. I'll let you find out, rather than laying the law and saying, this is what's going to take place in this house if you're under this roof, because we have leadership, we have structure, that we're not breaking this thing open. And you're not just going to run around doing whatever you want. Would I be loving my son, who's going who's gonna to turn two in January, would I be loving him if he was running out towards the road, there's a truck coming, and I said, well, you know, just let him do whatever he wants, you know? I mean, I, I, I love him so much that I just want him to find out for himself what it's like to be in the middle of the road when cars are coming. No, I will go to jail. That would be ridiculous. But yet, that's the mindset. So this level of honor, it's a foregone thing in our nation. You got music that's telling you not to honor your parents. That breaks down authority. You don't have to listen to the cops. And you don't have to listen to government authority. And they don't know what they're talking about. And so we we have to destroy this. We have to destroy this mindset of dishonor before we can learn to honor. Go over here. uh, Well, I'm not going to have you go there just for the sake of time, but in Mark chapter 6, verse 1, this happened to Jesus. You can jot it down if you have your notes. Mark chapter 6, verse 1, this happened to Jesus. He shows up in his hometown, Nazareth. And he gets there, and he's preaching, man. He's doing his thing. He's speaking with boldness and with authority. And they even said, who is this man that speaks with boldness and authority? Is this not the carpenter's son? Is this not Mary's son? Or don't his, his sisters and his brothers, do they not live here with us? And then the end of it, verse 6 says, and he was able to do no mighty work. They didn't receive his treasure because they dishonored his field. I'm going to tell you right now, the closer you get to people, the easier it becomes to dishonor. And we're going to talk about why. Because when, when I find out that you're just like me, then why would I go to you for anything? See, I know pastors that become insecure about this. And they don't, want pe- they don't want leadership getting too close and knowing too much about their business because if they find out who I really am. See, the people that received from Jesus, they were, you know, other countries, other, they, they didn't know him until he became this great Messiah. To the, he became this great prophet and started his ministry. See, it's easy to put people up on that pedestal and honor those people because you don't know their ins and outs. But then once we start seeing, oh, wow, he does that. Oh, wow, he did that. Oh, wow, they have this background. Oh, wow, they used to do that. And you find out, you're just like me. 
I mean, now on, you know, on those TV shows we're talking about, teenagers, they'll start, well, Dad, you did it when I was your age. So that gives you the right to make the same mistake I made? What justification is that? Well, Dad, you used to drink when you were in high school. Well, Dad, you used to take the car out late at night. Well, Dad, you used to do this. You used to do... What right does that give you? Are my mistakes not big enough to show you that you shouldn't do it? I mean, it's just, it, it's nuts because there's no honor. And Jesus had to deal with the same thing. Who are you to talk to us this way? Who are you to say you're the prophet? Who are you to say you're the Messiah? Who are you to say you're God's son? They dishonored the field, and so they did not get the treasure. So we have to value the whole package. We have to value the whole package, no matter how close we get, no matter what we learn, no matter what we find out. We have to value, why? Because that package is how God is getting his miracle to you. That package, that person who is just like you and has faults and failures just like you do, yeah, they have a field. They've got some dirt and some weeds and some things that are growing out of place. But underneath all that, if you can get past the field, there is a treasure underneath there, and it can set you free if you'll receive it. But we shut it down because we can't get past the field. Well, you're dirty just like I am. You got weeds just like I do. And now all of a sudden, they're disqualified. I'll tell you right now, if you disregard, disregard the people God sends to you, you will disqualify yourself from receiving their treasure. I'll say that again. If you disregard the people that God sends to you, you will disqualify yourself from receiving their treasure. Period. And how many people are passing up on the miracles they're praying for, God, I need this, God, I need that, when the treasure is right in front of them, buried beneath the dirt in the field and the nastiness on top, that we got to dig past all that stuff to get the good stuff. There's a treasure, but there's the field. And when you learn to honor someone, you say, I want the treasure so bad, I will get rid of everything I have to buy the whole field. Because I want the whole field. There are people in, in, in my life that are mentors to me, that uh, are, are my leadership and people that I give myself to. And you know what? I know a little bit of dirt. I do. But you know what? I've dug all that dirt out of the way because I know there's a treasure. There's a treasure under there. And that treasure is so valuable to me I don't care about dirt. I don't care about the weeds. I don't care what is piled on top of all that junk. The treasure is what I need. God has my answer inside of you, and I want that so bad that I get the whole thing. And so I don't just call them up. I don't just call them up when I need something. When I need advice, or I need some cash, or I need this, or I need that. I call them up because I want to. I develop relationships. I keep it consistent because that's how much I value the treasure. 
over on, uh, in Matthew chapter 21. You can just write this down again, Matthew 21, verse 33. Jesus was speaking, and he, said, he speaks another parable, and he says that there's a master that owned a vineyard, and he put, uh, he put uh, servants to work in the field for him. And the master went away. But every now and then the master would send some of his own people to go and check up on the servants. But the servants, they kept killing the people he was sending. The servants would kill the, the, the people that he would send in his name as him. So finally the master said, well, you know what? I'll just send my son. Surely they'll honor my son. And they took the son and they said, this is what they said in the parable. They said, we'll kill the son and we'll get his inheritance. We just want what the master has, but we don't want to honor who the master sent him to us. And obviously we know that's God. Because throughout the Old Testament, I'm reading right now in Jeremiah. And when you read Jeremiah, it's brutal. Because Jeremiah is talking to God's people and he's letting them know. He's letting them know, you've dishonored me by dishonoring the people that I've sent you. I sent you prophets. I sent you judges. I sent you Micah, Jonah, Isaiah. I'm here today sent by God to let you know, to warn you, if you don't change from your ways, you will be destroyed. That's what Jeremiah's whole job description was. Who wants that job description? To have to go into a nation that is in straight rebellion towards God and tell them, you're in rebellion towards God, and if you don't change, he's going to destroy you. And they killed those prophets. Jesus said, you killed all those prophets. You took them out. You, dis you say, God, do this for us, and God, we want you to lead us, and God, we want you to, to provide for us, and God, we want you to get us out of our problems, and God, we want you to, to, to tread on all of our enemies. But then when God sends somebody to them, they kill the messenger. And God is saying, you dishonored me by dishonoring every individual I sent your way. When I sent Jonah to him, when I sent Micah, when I sent Isaiah, when I sent Obadiah, when I sent Jeremiah, when I sent them, the way you treated them is how you treated me. Because I placed the treasure, I placed the thing you're needing, the thing that's going to bring your victory, I put it inside of them. But because you disvalued, devalued their field, you did not get the treasure. Well, the same thing happened to Jesus. Did they kill him? See, Jesus didn't just die because he was the son of God and that was the plan. He died because they dishonored who he was. There were many times they tried to take him up and kill him. There were many times that they tried to grab a hold of him and throw him off cliffs and do this and do that. And then finally the time came for his crucifixion. They dishonored who Jesus was, even though he was sent straight from God. And they dishonored God because they didn't honor him. Matthew chapter 25, verse 34. 
Matthew 25, verse 34 says, Then the king will say to those on his right hand, Come, you blessed of my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry, and you gave me food. I was thirsty, and you gave me drink. I was a stranger, and you took me in. I was naked, and you clothed me. I was sick, and you visited me. I was in prison, and you came to me. But then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? When, when do we see you a stranger and take you in or naked and clothe you? When do we see you sick or in prison and come to you? And the king answered, here it is. Assuredly, I say to you, inasmuch as you did it to one of the least of these, my brethren, you did it to me. He's talking about this honor, and he's saying, when you do it for them, you're doing it for me. When you're taking care of that other person, you're taking care of me. When you go and visit this person when they're sick, you're visiting me. When you honor the, the fields that I've placed all over the earth, the individuals I've placed around you, you're honoring me. Over in Luke chapter 9, verse 46 Luke 9, verse 46. Then a dispute arose among them of the disciples as to which of them would be greatest. Jesus, perceiving their thoughts, the thought of their heart, took a little child and set him by him and said to them, Whoever receives this little child in my name, look, receives me. Whoever receives me receives him who sent me. For he who is least among you all will be great. He's saying, if you receive even a child. See, I can, I can receive from anybody. That was something we were always trying to tell our children's workers when we were down in, in Florida. Was value the time that you're with those children. And we had to flip it. Don't always go in just thinking, what do I have to give to the kids? Because I tell you, there's been times I've been with a 5-year-old or an 8-year-old or an 11-year-old, and they ministered to me. That ministers to me that Julie Grace would raise her hand when she raised her hand. That ministers to me hearing these children say things out of the simplicity of their heart, just believing God at his word like I need to believe. And I look at that and I say, man, I need to be that way with my father. They're not concerned about anything. And I wake up every morning wondering, how are we going to pay this? And what's going to happen to this? And I've been having this issue in my body. I don't know what's going on. I don't know how to take it. And I'm thinking, these kids don't have a worry for nothing. Mommy, my throat hurts. Mommy, what's to eat? They're not waking up saying, Daddy, are we going to be able to keep this house? Daddy, are, we gonna, are, are, are you making enough money at work or do you need to get a second job? They're not asking these questions. And that ministers to me. Why? Because when I'm able to receive the child, I receive Jesus, there's been times I went to church on a Wednesday night and had to go work in 
in, in, in the children's ministry. Got to go work in the children's ministry. And get there and the, the day is weighing on you. And you just get off of work and just things are going on. And you're thinking, and then you get around those kids and it's like, how big is my God? How small is my problem? And I leave, driving home just thinking, Father, I'm sorry I ever doubted you. God, I'm sorry I ever made my problem bigger than you are. Because my faith needs to be like that child. I mean, I can receive from a 5-year-old, I can receive from an 85-year-old. There's no cutoff. There's no limit. Because I understand that the people that God has placed in my life are his answers to what I need. And if I honor those around me, then I'm honoring him and I will receive the treasure that he's placed inside of you. So we have to honor others. And here's what I want to get to. We'll close with this. Go to Proverbs chapter 15. Go to Proverbs chapter 15. We have to be careful of this disrespect. We have to be careful of this dishonor and this disregard for people because we just base them on what we see. And in Proverbs 15.33, I want to show you the answer to dishonor. I want to show you why dishonor creeps in. It says, the fear of the Lord is the instruction of wisdom, but before honor is humility. Before honor, before you can honor somebody, you have to be humble. Go to the next one, 18 verse 12. Before destruction, the heart of a man is haughty, and before honor is humility. Before I, can get, before I can give honor, before I can be honorable, I have to be humble. Go to the next one, 22 verse 4. By humility and the fear of the Lord are riches and honor in life. Another translation says that honor is the reward of humility. The opposite of honor is not dishonor. Watch this. The opposite of honor is not dishonor. It's pride. The thing that will keep you from honoring someone else is you think that you're more high, higher than the other individual. You'll kill it every time. It's always a level of pride. Where there is pride, there is a disregard of others. Where there is pride, there is no honor for what someone else has because you're just like me or I'm better than you. But when I find out that, man, we're all on the same playing field and you have a treasure inside of you and I've got a treasure inside of me and we're just exchanging treasures as long as I honor the field, then we can receive. But when I disregard you, then I disqualify myself from receiving your treasure, and I'm in pride. Pride always kills honor. You can't be in a level of pride and honor someone else. In fact, you could put it this way, that honor is the absence of pride. Just your ability to be able to honor someone else 
means you've put yourself down. You've humbled yourself and said, no matter who you are, no matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, I'm going to receive what you have inside of you. That's why this church, uh, we, I, I disregard all the junk. I don't care what your past is. I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you've gone through. You have a gift, and we want to pull on it. I don't care if you're divorced. I don't care what you went through in high school. I don't care what you did uh, as a kid. None of that means anything. Because you have a gift inside of you that's so valuable and that needs to be presented to this body and to this city that we lay all that aside. Now, obviously, there's levels. I mean, if you just got out of jail, you're not working with our kids. <laughs> We're smart about it. I'm not saying, hey, I don't want to know the rap sheet. Just I, My eyes are closed. Just go back there with the kids and work for a few hours. I don't want to know about it. No. But we'll find something because there's a gift inside of you. We do prison ministry down in Florida, and a lot of times when those guys get out of prison, guess where they're coming? Because we've been seeing them once a month. Well, we got somewhere for you to work. They're in the middle of a construction project, and they got a guy down there right now named Lincoln. Just got out of the, uh, uh, the prison down there, and he's doing construction. He's not working with kids, and he's, but you know what? He's feeding homeless people. He's doing outreaches. Why? Because you have a gift. And we're not going to disregard you and lose out on the gift. And so we have to get past this. Look at this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, last verse. This is what Paul has to say about it. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 12. For we do not commend ourselves again to you, but give you opportunity to boast on our behalf that you may have an answer for those who boast in appearance and not in heart. For if we are beside ourselves, it is for God. If we are of sound mind, it is for you. For the love of Christ compels us. That means restrains us, constricts us, uh, keeps us in line. It, the love of Christ compels us because we judge thus, that if one died for all, then all died. And he died for all, that those who should live no longer for themselves, but for him who died for them and rose again. Watch this in verse 16. Here we go. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we have known Christ according to the flesh, yet now we know him, thus no longer. You're saying, look, there was a time when we knew Christ according to the flesh. There was a time that we knew Jesus in the man form, in the flesh form, but we went deeper than that. We went beyond that, and we don't regard him according to the flesh any longer because we now have been able to obtain the gift that was on the inside. He's saying, therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to their flesh. That means I no longer estimate someone's value based upon who they are on the outside, what they've done for me, who they say they are, the past they have. He's saying, I don't assess someone's value on natural, worldly instincts only. I go deeper. I go based upon what's on the inside. Because Jesus, who is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, he was born in a barn surrounded by cows and animals that were eating. They couldn't even find a hotel. They couldn't even find a house to put him in. The king of kings, the lord of lords. He grew up as a common man, just like anybody else. 
Somebody asked me one time, do you think Jesus did miracles in high school? No. How would you like to know that you had all this potential and all this power inside of you and you can't do anything about it until the Lord releases you? His ministry started at 30, and even then, his mom approached him at a wedding and said, hey, we've run out of water. And Jesus looks back at her and says, and you want me to do what? She knew the power, but his ministry had not started. And he had to first receive the Holy Spirit, just like you and I do. And that didn't happen until he was baptized by John the Baptist. So here's a flesh, here's a man, here's someone just like me and you. And then he goes back home to Nazareth and can't do a single thing because of dishonor. He said, a prophet is not without honor except in his own hometown. You'll find that the people that are closest to you are the hardest ones that will, or people, they're the ones that will have the hardest time receiving from you. Just go ahead and get that down. I know people right now that I grew up with, went to high school with, that if I told them I'm a senior pastor, they might be excited, but they might be thinking, really? That shy kid that never said anything, that always just sat in the corner, that was just quiet? Really? Why? Because they are regarding me. They're labeling a value on me based upon what they know about me. See, here in the flesh, we can only regard each other either based upon our past, what I know about you, or based upon who you are today, what I see you doing. There's only one person that can regard you according to your future, and that's God, because he's the only one that knows your future. So don't get surprised when they don't receive your gift. You just keep convincing yourself you have a gift. Because remember, remember what we said a few weeks ago, if someone's selling a home, what they'll, usually get, what they'll usually do is they'll go and they'll get it valued. They'll get it appraised. So when someone shows up and says, hey, I think this home's worth 150, and they, you say, no, it's been valued at 175. So I know I can get at least 175. You don't let someone else tell you the value of your home. That might be how much they value it at, but that's not your value because you got an assessment. We have an assessment, and we don't let people assess our value. We don't let people regard us based upon our flesh. And you may know people that don't believe in you. You may, may have had people tell you, you're never going to do anything. You're never going to make it. You're not going to do this. You're not going to do that. And you've had your hopes set on something. But you've got to find out what God says about you. You've got to find out what his word says. Because this is the appraisal. This is the value assessment. And it doesn't change. He's already painted your picture. Your life is done before him. He's not walking this life. I wonder what. I wonder what Miss Tiffany is going to do with her life. I wonder what she's going to become one day. He knows. He's got the whole thing drawn up. It's a picture, and he's just wondering, is this going to match the picture that I painted? So we have to 
learn that no one else assesses our value. No one else estimates that value. Paul said, I no longer regard anyone after the flesh. He said, I don't care what you've been through. I don't care what you look like. I don't care what you've done. There's a gift. There's a treasure inside of there. And you have something to give to the world. Because you are how God's accomplishing his will in the earth. You are how God is accomplishing his will in the earth. When, when there's a single mother at the grocery store that's just praying, Lord, I know you're going to come through, but we need, we need help with these groceries. Uh, you know, I, I can't buy hardly anything right now. You might be the field with the treasure in it. And then you feel that prompting of the Holy Spirit inside of you. And she's standing behind you in line. And you're saying, yeah, that's it. Hey, I'm going to pay for your groceries today. I'm going to bless you. I don't know why, but I just feel God wants me to pay for your groceries. You just got an opportunity to let God enact his will through your life. See, the treasure isn't for you. The treasure isn't for you. What's your treasure? I, I know, I know uh, a family down in St. Augustine. The man is a very uh, wealthy businessman. Has six or seven businesses by now. Why? Because he sees a problem and he says, we need to meet a need. Our church loves to do t-shirts. But it's expensive to go and have t-shirts made. And so he said, you know what? I'm going to go. I'm going to start my own t-shirt business right out of my house. And I'm going to make t-shirts for the church at cost. And we have a direct connection. What's he doing? He's seeing a need and filling it. Answering the need. Well, he has a treasure. But how many people in the world take the treasure and it's just for them? I know singers that have gifts and abilities to sing and perform, musical artists that are using it for them, to buy them the big house, to get them the nice cars, to get them the paycheck. They've, and it's, it's not about anybody else. The treasure inside of you is for you to serve the world. I know another guy, great with cars. He has repaired my vehicle many times where I didn't have to go to a dealership, I mean dealership, and get it taken care of. Why? Because he's able, he has a gift. He's got a treasure. People that are great with kids. People that are good with finances and can help others to, uh, you know, help invest in their businesses. How do I start a business? How do I do this? Uh, uh, those that uh, are great with sports and, and have a calling to help sports and help kids on little league teams. And when they don't even know it, but they're getting the word and they don't even realize it. They're teaching them the golden rule to do unto others as you have done unto you. But we're just playing baseball. We're just playing football. Using gifts to help God 
accomplished. God needs your help. Just go ahead and get it. We, we think God Almighty, the Creator, He needs no help doing nothing. He needs your help because He put it that way. He set it in stone. He said, you have dominion on the earth. So we've got to step into that. We've got to realize we've got a treasure. You've got to honor the treasure. Remember we said a few weeks ago, nobody else will honor what you don't honor. If you don't value and honor the gift that's inside of you, nobody else will. Amen. This has been a great series. I'm glad that we got to go here. God has illuminated myself and, and I hope you as well in some awesome things concerning honor because this is a great topic and we need to hear it. Amen. Father, I thank you that we have this opportunity to open your word to study what it is to honor. We want to honor you. We want to honor those around us. And we want to receive honor, Father. But we don't receive honor unless we give it first. So, Father, reveal within us now, even now, Father, that we need to bring ourselves to a place of humility, knowing that we can receive from anybody because they carry a gift. They carry a treasure. They carry an ability that can meet my need, and so do I. Father, help us unearth the treasure. Father, sometimes we can't even see past the dirt in our own lives because nobody knows ourselves better than us. Nobody knows everything we've done better than us, and sometimes we disregard ourselves because we think of everything we've done or what we used to do or who we used to be. Or Father, help us dig all that junk out of the way so we can reveal the treasure you've placed inside of us because you have a purpose, you have a plan for our lives. And so we value you by honoring the gift you placed inside of us. Father, I thank you that every person here is blessed because they've honored you today by being here. I thank you that as they go forth today and go forth through their week, Father, that we accomplish everything you've called us to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah.